Hey. Hey, how's it going? Eh, could be better, could be worse. You know, I was just firing off uh, a terrorhouse-related email and, you know, counting all the gold doubloons I'm going to be diving in in about two months when the money comes in. Oh, oh, really? From the, what, the book sales? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Masculinity Against uh, Mitt's Madness by Ryan Landry. Um, it hit uh, rank 2000 on, on Amazon. Um, outselling Ben Shapiro's latest book, I I should add. No way. You know, I, yeah, what? yeah. I I've, I've got the receipts. Yeah, it also it also outsold Jordan Peterson's book. Uh, hey, what? Well, that's amazing. Yes. Uh, there's a sudden wave of rooms just being left unclean across the nation because of the snooze. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, so your computer died, huh? Yeah, the uh, power cord was loose because this this thing is like, I've got like a refurbished computer that was new back in 2013 and like the battery uh, has about like five minutes of charge left. So Mm -hmm. the thing gets knocked out, uh, it'll deplete really quickly and there there you go, in the middle of an email and it's kind of annoying. Did it save (sighs) it at least, like auto save it? Um, I'm using Thunderbird. It saves automatically, so that's good. That'll save you a little bit of time and make make sure your all your uh, creative efforts didn't go to waste. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, well, the creative cool, the book selling. Sorry, yeah. didn't mean to cut you off there. No, that's that's fine. It's 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 nice because uh, you know, I hate to I hate to sound like uh, I'm just in it for the money, but the money does help. You know, it's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been you know. Like like expats doing well, you know. You know, we all. We, I, I imagine most of us got into this, uh, you know, because of, uh, you know, we, we wanted to share our our art, our, our depraved thoughts with the world. But when we get paid for it too, it's a pretty nice feeling. Hell yeah, I know. I mean, ever since this uh, cancellation wave hit, hit uh, I have, I don't think I've ever done better. Oh really? Really? Is uh, our sales of your book up? Yeah. Nice, dude. Nice. <laughs> I know. You know what would have really made them go up even higher is if you would have reviewed it. I am going to review it. I'm I'm uh, <laughs> midway through it. It's just uh, well, the issue I've had is uh, number one, I can barely. I'm going to have more time to uh, free time for writing in the summer because uh, I'm no longer slaving uh, constantly as a uh, as a freelancer in the uh, the gears of the of the uh, of the gig economy. Um, yeah. and number two, this, this is a, this is a laughable excuse, but, um, I haven't had a permanent address in nearly a year. I've been living yeah. out of four suitcases and I've got all these nice books with me. Um, and that means every time I have to, to move, you know, it all has to go in the check luggage and then I have to bury it, come, come back out, find out where it is. I think I've, I think I've lived in since, uh, I moved out of my permanent apartment in September. I've lived in about... A dozen different apartments spread across four countries in wow. about uh, six or seven different cities. Man, that's such a jet-setting life. That's uh, that's cool. It's a bit less. It's a bit less glamorous than it sounds because you know I spend a lot of time just staring at the computer in these places. But um, yeah. It was kind of it was kind of an accident because uh, my plan like of la- for about the past year was to move to Argentina, 
uh, to just kind of kind of get away from the you know the the madness that's enveloping the developed world. Um, but you know, when my lease ended a, a year ago, my I, I swore to myself that I was not going to leave Georgia, the country, not the state. That's where I was. Yeah. Um, right. I wasn't going to leave it until the first book Terror House Press was putting out was squared away. Um, and I, I kind of made myself suffer for this because I moved into a really shitty apartment in downtown Tbilisi that uh, had – this is a common thing in like these ex-Soviet countries. Uh, apartments with bathrooms that don't have shower stalls. Like the shower nozzle will be hooked up to the sink, and whenever you take a shower, you have to shut the door. Uh, the water gets everywhere. You know, it's very, it's very ghetto. Um, but it was kind of a kind of a, an endurance run. Um, that and other issues like the bed that was uh, had a mattress that had not been uh, that w- that had been put there when Brezhnev was still alive. It was so utterly saggy uh, that I'm pretty sure it fucked up my back. But I, I stuck it out and uh, got the first book out. And as soon as it was, I just, I, I hightailed it to Armenia. It was like, okay, I've, I've, you know, I've punished myself enough. It's time to, you know, it's time to live the high life in Armenia. Yeah. Why, why Armenia? Well, it was uh, it was right next door, and I'd wanted to you know visit it uh, before I left uh, for South America because uh, you know my mentality is like, well, my mentality as to why I'm here. I'm in Albania right now. Was uh-huh. well, I might not I might not come back to Europe ever again. You know, it's uh, for for whatever reason. So if there's anything I want to see here, I should probably see it now. Um, and I figured eh, it's not, there's no rush getting to Argentina. You know, it'll it'll yeah. still be there. Uh, so I went to Armenia. I, I also had to go to actually, actually Armenia for business-related reasons because uh, okay. when I uh, formed the Terror House uh, as a corporation, um, uh-huh. I had to open a bank account. You get a you get a debit card, etc. But for some reason in Georgia, uh, it's illegal to send debit and credit cards through private couriers like UPS, and okay. I didn't want to entrust it to the mail service because they almost certainly would have stolen it. Uh, okay. so I could get it delivered to Armenia. So I went to Armenia. Um, I spent about a month trying to get it out of transit. Uh, finally got it. Um, saw a bunch of neat stuff there, you know, met, met a bunch of cool people. Um, went back to Georgia for a couple weeks to deal with some business. Um, then I flew to Athens, spent a week in Athens. That was, that was pretty neat. Uh, and then I took a bus to Tirana, uh, the capital of Albania, right before the lockdowns hits and, I've been here ever since. It's uh, it's not been the most pleasant experience of my life, but it's not the worst either. Are you stuck there for a while because of the lockdowns? Pretty much. The lockdown has more or less ended on a practical level uh, in the sense that, like, I can go out, you know, restaurants are open, you know, we can, you know, yeah. congregate on the street. Uh, we no longer need permits to leave the house uh, once per oh, week wow. for groceries, you know, uh, so that's nice. I can walk down to the vape store and uh, I can walk down to the vape store and actually get nicotine because I went, I went, uh, I went from nicotine withdrawal because I ran out of vape juice and that was, yeah. um, oh, I, uh, I, I won't, I won't get sidetracked, but uh, quitting nicotine is not as hard as as people say it is. It took me about three no. days. Um, no, I've but, done it multiple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. 
people are like, oh, quitting smoking is so hard. Nah, not really. It's just you, you got to tough it out uh, for like a couple of days. Uh, yeah. you, you will be hungry all the time. Uh, you will feel yeah. homicidal. You will be uh, nervous. Uh, yeah. But after like that initial hump, like you're, you're pretty much good. You just have some yeah. dreams afterwards. I just felt like kind of whiny, kind of complainy, kind of like, oh, I just really want one. Like I just, all I, I, it was more just like, I felt like, is this all that it's going to be the withdrawals? Like I just kind of was like, is this all the, the addiction of this is, is just the, the want to have one. You know, I wasn't like so much crawling up the walls. I just kind of was like thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's basically like for like a couple of days. All I just thought about was nicotine, and I could have gone. Yeah. I, I I could have gone and gotten some cigarettes, but I didn't do that because uh, the apartment I was staying in had a no smoking policy, and uh, I didn't have a deck, so I yeah. basically had nowhere to smoke them. But yeah, getting back to the lockdown, uh, where I got sidetracked. Uh, uh, like I said, the lockdown is pretty much ended here. You know, uh, the only thing I think is closed are like nightclubs, um, and the borders are technically open. But as oh. of right now, the Albanian government is not allowing uh, – is only allowing people with uh, uh, European Union citizenship to board planes, which doesn't include me. Um, and uh, of the neighboring countries, uh, the only one that will allow American citizens in is Kosovo, which uh, – uh, no offense to Kosovo, but if you enter Kosovo from any country that isn't Serbia, you get banned from Serbia. I'm not particularly attached to Serbia, but, you know, they have the largest airport in the region. So if I do eventually get out of this region of the world, like, I don't want to limit my options. So, And apparently the news is that uh, the European Union is going to keep uh, its borders closed to American citizens, at least for the next couple of weeks, uh, starting in July. So going okay. back to Greece isn't an option. So, yeah, I'm basically, I'm basically trapped for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Could you get into Argentina right now, or are those borders closed? They are they are closed until September, so that's that's off the table. Um, I do need to go back to the U.S. Uh, before October to renew my driver's license. I was going to do that before Argentina, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold off on that because uh, I mean I do want to see my family and friends and, stu uh, and and stuff. You know, I haven't been back to the U.S. in three years, but uh, you know I. And I don't see the point of going back right now uh, with all the chaos going on and also yeah. financial considerations. This is a this is a tip for you, tip for everyone who's uh, thought about relocating abroad. Um, thanks to a, uh, a uh, Obama-era tax reform, uh, American expats do not have to pay income tax if they make less than $100,000 a year. Uh, so huh. you can – Legally screw the tax man if you spend more than 35 days outside of the U.S., which which really? is a pretty great feeling. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Why is that a thing? Well, it's actually standard among most countries. Uh, most countries, if you don't live in the country, you don't have to pay tax. Uh, you know, Canadians oh, okay. don't have to pay tax if they live in the if they if they live abroad. Okay, you know, Brits sure. don't, the French don't. Uh, the U.S. was the only country that was that was making people pay taxes up until relatively recently. So this this okay. reforms a nice thing, which means uh, at some point it's probably going to be taken away. Yeah, totally. So like, you're you're from the U.S. though. Yes, I'm. You know, I'm an American. You know, uh, born and raised upstate New York. You know, you know, okay. spent spent eighteen Syracuse specifically, um, which is uh, for those who are not familiar with ge geography, it's about midway between Toronto and New York City. 
uh, kind of your typical, you know, sort of Rust Belt town, you know, Catholic Rust Belt town, a lot of decaying, uh, you know, uh, factories, a lot of, uh, a lot of crime, a lot of uh, urban degradation and a lot to you know recommend. I'm not totally down on the place. Um, it's, it's main claim to fame is that it's the hometown of, uh, Tom Kenny and, uh, Bobcat Goldflake. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, also, cool. uh, it's also, it also, it is also the snowiest large city in the United States getting about really? 12 feet of snow every, every year. Um, Jeez. yeah. It's not, it's, you know, I, I like my town, I like my hometown, but you know, like, uh, like a lot of things like, like the U S itself, I love it the more, the fervor away I am from it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm back in my hometown right now and, uh, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. But you know, I liked it. I did like it more when I was, when I was away, but, uh, what got you into, like, what got you into, why did you start a terror house press? Um, well, this, this was, uh, I'll try, I'll try and contract the, compress the story. Um, back in 2017, you know, um, I got an email from a, uh, a friend of mine, Richard Power, uh, back in 2015, he had published a couple of, uh, quote, political erotic pieces on my blog that were very popular and very, very strange. Uh, one of them is called uh, While You Were Sleeping, and it's about a, uh, uh, a guy sitting in uh, a classroom fantasizing about uh, stabbing his female instructor in the thigh and then fucking the thigh wound. And the other one is called Why I Lie, which is about uh, – which is a true story of Richard Power and uh, three different girlfriends he had in the past and him explaining – uh, why he lies to women because uh, when he told them the truth, uh, they didn't like it very much. They were very well written, very uh, you know, and very popular. Uh, but he emails me around Christmas 2017, and he tells me he's written this book, uh, building on the themes that he had uh, explored in those pieces. Um, he was he he'd come up with the title of either "Confessions of a Despicable Beta" or "Letters from a Heartbroken Pervert." Uh, and he wanted me to publish it because he's he wants to remain totally anonymous. Like, I don't even know who he is. Like, you know, I, I know a lot about him. We've discussed a lot of things, but I don't know his real name. I don't know his identity, uh, you know, uh, all of that. And he wanted to go through me and kind of have me act as the front man because uh, I've, I had experience in web publishing and because he just didn't want to have any kind of public profile. But he wanted to get the book out there. And. This is at the same time, you know, I was kind of, you know, I spent most of 2017 and part of 2018 just kind of, you know, laying low. Um, I, w- I had gotten a, uh, I, I, I was living in Budapest. I'd gotten a pretty good job uh, at an academic paper mill helping, uh, helping uh, college students cheat on their exams. Uh, I, I was close, I'm close friends with Calvin Westbrook. Calvin's my best friend in the entire world. And uh, uh, through him, I was following uh, websites like Fluland. And was kind of, you know, uh, observing the sort of, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if we should call it alt, because everything that's, that's like alt just ends up becoming cringe at some point. I, you know, like alt-right, alt-lit, alt, you know, alternative music. But like just, yeah. just this culture of outsider literature that, you know, uh, was dynamic, full of really talented people putting out great stuff. And, uh, you know, was, was very, very popular. 
you know, well, well, flu land went away in, you know, October, 20, 2017. We don't really need to rehash. We don't really need to rehash that drama. Um, we might want to though. Not everybody maybe knows that drama, but we can maybe go into that as we go along a little bit. Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to drama. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. But anyway, um, but anyway, I was observing all this, you know, and then, you know, Richard Power comes to me with this book, Letters from a Heartbroken Pervert, and he wants me to publish it. And I'm thinking, why don't I start a publishing house and make this the flagship product? You know, because I have, you know, I, I have a lot of experience in, in web publishing through, through my involvement in uh, fringe politics. You know, I've, I've got a good idea of what sells, what doesn't sell, how to market things, you know, how to, how to promote things. Um, I'd self-published books before, so I knew all about that. There were a lot of things I had to learn and things I still have to learn. But I figured it was the kind of thing I'd be good at. And it's the kind of thing I want to do. You know, I've, I've been writing in some form or another on the Internet since I was uh, since 2009. You know, I, I started like like a couple weeks after my 21st birthday. Um, but I didn't, you know, a lot of people know me for like my political writing and, you know, stuff like that. Um, that wasn't my intention. You know, I, I started blogging in 20, 2009 just because I was pissed off at everything, pissed at, off at the world, my job, uh, you know, all the things in my life. Uh, but my ambition was always to be like a like a novelist, like a like a writer writer, like not just write some clickbait that would, uh, you know, enrage people and get me attention. I want I wanted to write something that lasted, you know, um, and I saw this as just kind of a perfect opportunity to get back into that, you know, because, uh, you know, in early 2017, my uh, my career in dissident politics, if you want to euphemize that, that had completely collapsed due to uh, a combination of just uh, deplatforming. Uh, bad blood among the uh, uh, what can really only be charitably described as neo-Nazis, um, which turned out to be a blessing because uh, all those people destroyed themselves and I'm still here. Um, but again, this is great. I, I've got an opportunity here. I'm going to seize it. And as yeah. for the name, um, I was thinking, well, I live in Budapest. I should probably name it after something Hungarian because, you know, I love this country and it just seems fitting. Um, and I was walking down uh, Andrasi Ut, which is the main a uh, huge road going down through downtown Budapest. It's like their equivalent of uh, Broadway uh, or the Magnificent Mile. It's got all the nice shops and stuff. And I'm walking past uh, the Terror Haza, the House of Terror, which is a uh, uh, famous landmark. It, uh, it ultimately served as the headquarters of the fascist Aerocross Party. And then it was the headquarters of the Communist Secret Police. And I was looking at it. And it was like this, it's this huge imposing structure. You can't miss it. I was thinking... Terror Haza, House of Terror, Terror House. It's, it's, you know, it fulfills the Hungarian requirement. It's nice and catchy. It sticks in people's brains. We've got the name yeah. right there. Yeah. And from there, it was kind of a, kind of a slow process because, uh, you know, I did some research and was like, well, I, 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 I want to start this press, but, like, it might fail. You know, starting a publisher is a pretty, pretty money-time-intensive project. So... Uh, the idea I had was I w was going to launch a magazine ahead of it, you know, a website to just publish short stories and such, uh, and use that to gauge if people would want uh, me to continue with the press. Because I just start the magazine, and if it doesn't and, and it doesn't succeed, you know, I'm I'm out forty dollars at most. Um, and then I, you know, I, I pitched some of these ideas to Calvin, who uh, who uh, joined was one of the founding editors, and I also met uh, Glon, if you remember Glon. Uh, yeah, he was. A, I he do was a, remember Glon. 
Yeah, he's hard. He's he is hard to forget. He is hard to forget. But yeah, I met him through Calvin, and I pitched my ideas to him, and he thought this was like an incredible idea. And uh, so you know, and and on May fourteenth, twenty eighteen, we started we started publishing Terror House Magazine, uh, and it was not quite an instantaneous hit, but it got a small audience, and then it just kept growing and growing, and we started getting in some really great submissions and having some some conflicts with uh, people who just uh, don't want us around. Um, and then last year we finally started publishing books. We've had, we've got eight books out now. Um, and we're publishing at the rate of about one a month. Uh, the next book wow. I, uh, in July will be, uh, Panic by Be Benjamin Welton, which is a, uh, uh, short poetry chapbook. Uh, Benjamin Mel Welton, he, we, we published one of his uh, other books earlier this year called Sick Inside the Citadel. It's a collection of horror themed short stories. And some of you may also know him because, uh, uh, expat recently published one of his uh, his uh, his short stories uh, so you know it's been it's been a pretty crazy ride but uh, you know I am I am humbled by the fact that you know I've you know so many people have embraced this project which you know I've always been in the back of my head like this is gonna fail it's not gonna work you know people are buying the books people are you know sending in great work people are reading that great work I've met great people like you and Manny and Eris mm -hmm. you know it's 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 nice you know it's 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 just it's just I, I'm just I just my heart overflows with love and and happiness at, at all of this it's funny because you get so much hate well, I, I kind of invite it, you know, I'm, I'm at, um, I'm at the, I'm at the stage in my life where I've kind of just acknowledged that things I've done in the past are going to, you know, haunt me for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I do do shit that kind of, you know, pisses people off, like with the recent fracas, you know? Um, yeah. Cause like, cause like my entire life, my, my, I, one of my just overriding like impulses is I just enjoy pissing people off, like people who are easily offended. I like, I like I like messing with them. I like insulting them. I like pulling their chains. You know, it's 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 shockingly effective when you get like a like a cluster B narcissist or BPD type to just you know throw them off the rails. You know, mm -hmm. doing that in real life don't don't do it, kids. Like don't like if you're in a room of a narcissist, don't try and, and fuck with them because they like might actually hurt you. But over the internet, like yeah, you can you can get away with that. And it's pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I get a lot of hate and, you know, some of it, some, some of it again, you know, is a, I, I understand it. You know, I get why people, some people, uh, don't want to associate with me. You know, that's fine. It's a big internet. We don't all have to all be friends, you know, but we can, you know, respect each other's space. You got some people yeah. though, who are basically like, uh, it's like we're all playing in a sandbox, you know, and like, you know, uh, you know, guys like you and me, we've got like our corner of the sandbox and we're having fun. Yeah. And like the people on the other side of the sandbox, they keep coming over and kicking over our sandcastles and saying, you can't be in the sandbox. And it's like, the sandbox is huge. Like you've got your own corner. We've got our corner, you know, you know, we can coexist. We're like, no, no. And they kick the sandcastle down again. Yeah. And then when yeah. you, you know, call them a bad name or something, they run off to the teacher and they're like, they're uh -huh. threatening to hit me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. They, uh, they, they did. It did feel like we just kind of were just sitting there basically minding our own business. And all of a sudden something happened over there and then it lumped everybody in that, uh, they included. And it was just like, Whoa, where, where'd this come from? You know? And then even with you though, it feels like you guys, even within the sort of faction that was targeted, 
it felt like you guys, even within that faction, continued to get targeted. You know, continue to be the dividing line. Like, oh, I'm cool with with expat, but not Terror House. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like I said, I I kind of expect that. You know, based on based yeah. on things I've said in the past. You know, I'm. What kind of irritates me about it is, uh, you know, well, not many things irritate me, but you have all these people who are like, you know, like, oh, Matt Forney's a bad person. He's a neo-Nazi or whatever. They, they never once like come and like actually talk to me to find out like what I believe or or like, you know, try and establish some kind of relationship. There was there was one writer. I won't name him. Um, who published a story with us. And then in, like a like a few hours later, he emailed me and was like, oh, oh, uh someone sent me something very concerning. Uh, you know, you've been listed on in this uh, article from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, and I was thinking, uh, well, he probably wants the submission pulled, so I'll, you know, just email him. But he just wanted to talk, so I just kind of, you know, gave him my view of things, you know. And I tell him the same thing I told everything else. I'm not involved with that, that fringe politics shit anymore. In fact, most of those people hate me because, like, you know, in my spare time, when I'm not doing, like, actual work or terror house work, like, I... I I've done like an entire series of like articles and shit, just exposing people like Richard Spencer. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That you have been, you talk a lot about like, Richard Spencer. Like you always are kind of like, you know, trying to cut, kind of, you're kind of like just, I don't know, dunking, whatever the word is, just sort of like poking fun at Richard Spencer. I see that often. Like, were you involved with Richard Spencer and like uh, and all those people? Did you like ever like, have interactions with these type of people oh god the stories i have um but i, I wasn't involved as, as as some other people like i didn't i didn't go to charlottesville you know that's that's yeah uh, you know that's a dividing line i mean that's that's when a lot of stuff that's you know changed anyways for a lot of people yeah yeah but i i was i was uh i was fast friends with a lot of these people interact with them i went to uh you know I went to conferences like the American Renaissance and NPI and such because, you know, yeah. it was, it was kind of, you know, you know, uh, back around 2015, 2016, I was very politically engaged with the whole, you know, Trump campaign and whatnot. And it, and it was fun. Like it, it, it appealed, that whole thing appealed to like uh, just my, my, my sense of wanting to piss people off. You know, I've, I've just spent an entire lifetime uh, trying to, trying to piss people off. Um, and, and that's the thing what what motivates a, a lot of that that's one thing that's another thing that these kind of kind of types who want to just smear everyone um who's not uh uber leftist or whatever as a neo nazi is a lot of these guys who get into it really aren't that politically extreme like like uh you know there's very i i, I have met some literal fucking neo nazis uh yeah. but the vast majority of people who get involved in this stuff are doing it uh, because they like pissing people off you know they they like yeah. uh you know when you have like a blue check going crazy uh, on Twitter yeah. because of something someone said, you know, that there's, there's a certain personality type that finds that shit amusing and wants to pile on. You know, that was, that right. was kind of, you know, what motivated the alt-right, you know, uh, back in 20, yeah. 2015, 2016 was just about pissing people off. Uh, yeah. Just, just annoying moralistic type people. It's, it's basically the tape, same kind of, you know, you know, you know, frisson that you had, um, about maybe 10, 20 years ago when you had, you know, the moral majority and people like Tipper Gore going around tut-tutting at swearing in TV shows and, you know, Murphy uh -huh. Brown being an unwed mother. And then you have like, you know, zinesters, you know, talking about like uh, rape and murder and feminism and, 
you know, stuff that was extreme. You know, it's the same. It's the same kind of mentality, just pissing off whatever it is perceived to be the dominant orthodoxy. Um, and 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 in part, you know, the you know the reaction to it. Uh, you know, going back to what I said about how people just want to, you know, throw me throw me people like me in a box instead of like actually talk to me. Um, you yeah. know, if you if you just if people. If these people would just like ignore a lot of the trolling, like people would just move on. Like going back to the you know the fracas last week, which you know, I, you know might as well address it. Um, sure. um, a lot of that was was with uh, you know uh, one of our editors, Brian Brian Proctor, who was subtweeting uh, right. one particular individual. Um, which, he wasn't hold tweeting- on, oh, hold on. <laughs> like what's funny is I listened to your radio <laughs> show addressing this, and at that time, Brian knew like nothing about this whole literary conflict like and then within like a couple of days or something wasn't he like suspended from twitter yeah 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 he he went he went hard in on that one uh brian brian's uh brian, brian's a brian's a good guy you know he's uh he's kind of like the flavor flav to my chuck d the guy everyone okay. thinks is like an offensive retard, but he's actually a pretty hyper competent individual who holds things together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, with with in the case of of Bryden, like um, he wasn't tweeting at that particular woman. Um, I think she blocked him, and then she she repeatedly unblocked and then blocked him to interact with him. But all he was doing was yeah. subtweeting. All she had to do was just totally ignore him, and uh, he, he would have just gotten bored and gone done something else. But then, you know, what, 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 what got him, you know, excited was seeing, like, you know, her reactions, you know, freaking out yeah. and stuff and just kind of pour, pouring more fuel on the fire. You know, it's, it, 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 if you just – you know, this is my kind of my, my, uh, my, uh, my sincere, you know, olive branch to people who think like that. If you just ignore the trolling, it's going to go away. Like, Bryden's not a bad guy. Uh, he's a comedian who's done some pretty offensive things in the past, you know. Um, but you know, he's ultimately just a—he's just a dude who, who likes to make jokes. Um, and if someone like him is trolling you, just just ignore him, and he'll go away. You know, he's not trying to deplatform you. He doesn't want to cause you any harm. Um, he just wants to have a laugh. But these people—they just want to blow it up, and like they—they they want to turn what is basically like a a tempest in a teapot, uh, really, like. Like the whole scene that they represent, these people represent, just isn't that big, um, in terms of relevance. Uh, they they want to act like this is some grand ideological sh- uh, struggle to snuff baby Hitler in the crib or whatever. When in reality, yeah. it's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of people insulting each other on the internet. It's, it's a flame war. Yeah, but 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 uh, it has gotten to the point. I don't know which episode I was talking about this in, but like when you see people like streaming, you know, the Christchurch massacre and publishing their manifestos on eight coon or whatever, you know, it's like, that's also this form of trolling. It feels like that is like taking it out in the real world. And it's like, I think maybe like myself or I can empathize with people who are like, Oh no. Like, is this kind of fostering that mentality? Like, do you ever like, do you ever? That, that is, that is fair. That is, that is, you know, I'll, I'll concede that point. But the thing is, is like in the case of the Christchurch shooter, like 
as far as I know, he didn't have like some huge public profile before all this. Like, yeah, um, it's, it's it's you know there hasn't been a case where some right wing celeb has gone on a murder spree. Um, yeah, most of them just end you know most of the like the hardcore ones just end up in prison for doing something stupid like shoving meth up their asses. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> or like, it's uh, what was that yeah. one who the guy who. Uh... <laughs> Uh, what was it, traditional workers party or something where there was like a whole thing where they were having the, the cuck box incident with their sister? Yeah, <laughs> the box outside the trailer or something. Yeah, yeah, I knew I knew both of those people, and and trust me, like like that's not the that there there's some stuff about them that hasn't gone public that I'm. I'm I'm content to ignore you know, the those two those two idiots, but uh, yeah. trust me, trust me, that's pretty reflective of who they are, you know. And it yeah. makes me glad that I just disengaged from all this, you know, uh, a long time ago. And why I tell people not to, you know, get get engaged with it, um, because, um, I mean, it, it, put, putting the politics aside, uh, these people are legitimately mentally ill. Like you, you've got a bunch of fringe. You have people who have no perspective on the world um, who get into fringe politics uh, because uh, they want to feel special. You know, they're they're like the they, they really are like the goth kids from South Park. You know, it's like you know, I don't know if you want to be conformists. Uh, yeah. And to a certain extent, like on both sides of the spectrum, it just kind of feeds it. It feeds into each other. You know, the, the you know the, the the right wingers will, you know, say some shit about white genocide. The, you know, the left wingers will, will, you know, freak out about online hate or whatever. And um, I don't want to sound like some kind of base centrist who's like everyone's equally bad, but there is there is an element of like uh, uh, of mutual uh, feeding off of this, uh, which just it's it's not productive. It's not good. Um, it's just going to ruin your life. So, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, I, you know, I can't imagine any serious, well, neo-Nazi types are listening to this, but yeah. like, yeah. uh, if there's someone who's thinking about getting involved with any of these people, I, I can't imagine there are just, just don't like keep your normal job, you know, go, you know, go to, go to work, you know, you know, stick around with your, you know, love your family. Um, and maybe write something for terror house, but don't, uh, <laughs> uh, just, just don't, you know. And it's funny because uh, the the poetry volume I'm working on is probably gonna it, a good portion of it is gonna be uh, dedicated to kind of lampooning personalities I've known in fringe politics. It's it's gonna be a hoot. Uh-huh. Yeah, was it? Uh, did you have a title that you posted the other day, or was it just the subject matter? It was just the sub <clears throat> subject matter. I do have a working title. It's called Anchor. Um, okay. and that kind of, you know, goes back to me thinking about like how the past is an anchor in terms of, uh, you know, things I've done are going to follow me around for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. it might get changed, you know, as I get closer to completion, but this, this started, uh, this started like last, last week. I, I just yeah. started writing a poem about the frustration of being like a, a digital nomad, um, in a, in a, in Corona lockdown. Um, and it just sort of mushroomed out into talking about, you know, uh, fascist swinger parties, uh, mm-hmm. just general, you know, life in Eastern Europe uh, sort of things. Uh, the, w- the way I'm looking at it is like I'm at, I'm, I'm at about 4,500 words now. Um, I'm going to keep going until it feels complete, give it a trim. You know, I'll probably send it to you and some other people for feedback. Um, and then it might, you know, get published. Who knows? But uh 
a, a lot of it is inspired by things I've ever done myself or like I've observed other people do. Uh, I have names that have obviously been, uh, you know, protected to, uh, well, no one's innocent. No one's innocent, but. <laughs> yeah. What was the, what were you saying? Like the subject matter was in the tweet when you were kind of announcing it? Um, I think I Fascist. said like, no, I said something like, uh, no one's written a poetry volume about yeah. uh, expatriation, Catholicism, and porn, in, a porn, a porn-induced homoerotic fascism. So I'm running it. <laughs> porn-induced homoerotic fascism. That is a thing. That is a thing. Have you ever heard of gay Nazi Tumblr blogs? No, but I feel like it is a thing. Like I don't. I mean, I don't know, but I feel like I've kind of been aware of the concept. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was, I mean, it might still be around. I don't know. Tumblr kind of got uh, gelded uh, uh, a while back when Yahoo bought it and they got rid of I all know. the porn. But uh, yeah. the people who did this stuff are probably still around on the internet somewhere. Basically, yeah. there was this whole weird subculture of like, uh, you know, alt-right gay guys um, who ran these Tumblr blogs that were just like, you know, hail Satan and, you know, pictures of Hitler and, you know, all the, the neo-Nazi yeah. paraphernalia. And they would post pictures of themselves uh, uh, jerking off onto pictures of Richard Spencer or Jack Donovan. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there were I mean, like you see tons that... and tons of these blogs. Like, like, yeah, you see that kind of stuff on, I mean, all sorts of people anyways, like, you know celebrities or whatever there's videos of people jacking off onto their picture or something like that so it doesn't surprise me that people would be doing it to hitler yeah there are there are there are a lot of uh uh th- well they weren't doing it to hitler i'm sure there were some doing it to hitler but like they were they were doing it to like richard spencer and jack Donovan oh sorry and a few others yeah <laughs> i'm sure some people probably did do it to- i don't see why they would draw the line yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I was, you know, when I was more or less offline in 2017, I was kind of looking into this stuff into my in my private time because, uh, you know, I I was I was bored and kind of just collecting dirt and uh, and people were telling me some pretty sick shit about. Uh, uh, I'll leave I'll leave I'll leave the one particular name out just because uh, um, I, I I don't need to be hit with a libel suit right now. But you got like grooming of underage boys. You know you've got uh, you've got bestiality. You've got like all all the works uh, in terms of uh, just some really sick shit there. Um, and when I hit the gay Nazi Tumblr blogs and saw like how many of them were and like all this stuff, I was like, okay, I'm done here. Like like oh, that there's there, there's, you... a, there's a certain level of the abyss where you just can't descend any further. Um, <laughs> but was... like, there's something. I mean, there's something like attractive to like the whole Nazi movement, fascist uh, movement, kind of sexy, kind of like the the architecture, the ideas, and stuff like that. Like, do you find yourself kind of like uh, attracted to that in some sort of way? Like how you were saying you titled the uh, the press like Terror House based off of the the fascist headquarters etc like do you kind of like do you kind of do you kind of find like a sort of like sexiness to that kind of idea uh not not really i mean like um like there were points like in 2016 where i like appropriated that for jokes uh but the mentality with terror house was like it's it's you know 
the Terror House started out as the headquarters of the fascist Aerocross Party, and then it became the headquarters of the AVH, the Communist Secret yeah. Police during uh, Communist Hungary. And now it's a museum, which is uh, dedicated to uh, you know the years in which Hungary was under foreign occupation. So I, I my thinking there was that it was kind of uh, a building that represented like the extremes of the political spectrum uh, in terms yeah. of uh, you know what they inflicted on people, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, that that was that was probably my, my, my deepest thinking about it, but I kind of I kind of went I kind of went to the name just because it sounded cool. Uh, with yeah. with, it does, with my it does. estimation of, of like the uh, uh, like like the gay Nazi Tumblr blogs and things like that, there's there's always been like a like a, a deeply homosexual current to fascism, um, yeah. and not Nazism more specifically. Uh, I I think there's a there's a bunch of reasons for this that has to kind of do with the the, the homosexual mindsets. Uh, uh, a lot of it is the costumes, like you said, the sexy costumes, etc. Um, yeah. Not many people know this. Uh, Tom of Finland, the uh, the famous uh, uh, gay cartoonist who mm-hmm. you know drew all those uh, erotic pictures Butts. of men in the uh, 20th century. Um, he said his inspiration for doing that uh, his uh, those his drawings was. Well, when he was a uh, uh, a child in uh, uh, World War II occupied Finland, he saw a lot of Wehrmacht soldiers, and his mentality was like, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He said like, you know, in my drawings, I don't have any ideology. You know, um, I, you know, the Nazi ideology is hateful to me, but I draw Nazi soldiers anyway because they have the sexiest uniforms. So that's that's part yeah. of it. And uh, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And there's a, and there's a sort of romanticism to it as well because you know the mentality yeah. is like it's a it's like a failed cause and there's a certain sur- uh, personality type, uh, both you know straight and gay that is attracted to like failed causes like the romanticism yeah. of like oh these people were defeated you know we're living in a dying world you know it allows it allows a drama queen personality like Richard Spencer to kind of play himself up um, and have exaggerated emotional responses and just kind of kind of be a fop everywhere you know there's just people yeah. who like that. Uh, There's that whole argument amongst them, the, you know, alt-right or whatever, uh, about, like, what their image should be, like, how they should present themselves to the world and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. And it's, like, it all kind of relates to this sort of, you know, like, Spencer's always, like, in a nice attire, the haircut and all this kind of stuff, like you know, there's a big debate about looking, looking good, looking sexy and attracting people that way, I guess. So, I mean, it seems like it's still very alive and well as a concept, just trying to, yeah. trying to be that yeah, kind of sharp, sexy style. Yeah. And it's also why they try to kind of marginalize themselves instead of, you know, like being normal, because it goes back to how I, you know, they, I was, I was on the, uh, I was on Cato Gottfried last week, which is a, uh, yeah. It's run by the uh, uh, Paul uh, Joseph Cotto and Paul Gottfried, who are a long time kind of you know old older right wing figures, and I kind of explained it there. It's like these these are people who just want to feel special um, and feel like they're part of like some some dramatic dying cause, so they do everything they can to sort of alienate themselves from from normality. And now like you know it's you know I'm I'm not saying like everyone has to be like some you know some pretty you know all you out there you know who are you know you know, freaks, you're queer, whatever. That's like, that's cool. You know, I love all of you. I love your writing. You know, I like perspectives. I, I get along with people from all kinds of different backgrounds. I'm a pretty chill person. Um, even if some people don't think so. Um, but there's a difference between, you know, 
I don't know, someone like Andy Warhol and someone like Richard Spencer, who's just uh, an entirely incredibly self-defeating uh, individual. And you, and you have like uh, all these, uh, you know, uh, just, just very marginal and bizarre individuals. And they're not, they're not even good, like artistically, like, uh, you know, this is kind of an abstract comparison to make, but like dunking on someone like Richard Spencer or the alt-right, um, there was there was a video game about 20 years ago called Freelancer, which was a uh, kind of a, like a space sim where you uh, kind of an open world space sim where you just go around the galaxy doing jobs. And there's different factions you can kind of, uh, uh, you know, ally yourself with. And there's one faction called the Xenos who are just kind of like these anti-immigrant people in one particular sector who just just don't like foreigners. Um, and the way the game is programmed um, if you start just shooting Xenos left and right and pissing them off, everyone else in the galaxy will eventually love you. So uh, the alt-right are like the Xenos of like our modern yeah. world. There's zero, there's zero downside socially to dunking on them. Uh, and yeah. doing so is going to make everyone kind of like, like you a little more. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds a bit crass, but, you know, that's, that's how yeah. it works. Yeah, I mean, I think that totally. Like, I think people definitely with the whole punch and Nazi movement and stuff like that, I mean – that's why it's just it, it, people want to group people into that category of this so-called Zeno so they can just punch that person and, and, you know, gain, gain points and make the world a better place. It kind of seems like I feel yeah. like they're trying to group us uh, writers in this sort of outsider group or whatever into this well, kind of thing and just, just punch us, punch us away and rise higher out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, like uh, the, the whole principle of free speech and how these mobs kind of work, there's, they're, they're never satisfied. Like there's never, you, you'll note there's never a point in which these people say, okay, let's declare victory. We've conquered hate. We've gotten all the hateful people out. We've deplatformed them. Uh, we can go back to being normal. It's always, there's always something new that comes up. Um, you know, it, it, it starts out with, you know, uh, if it, have you Bibles? Have you read uh, John Stuart Mill's *On Liberty*? No. Well, it's probably the best defense of, of free speech ever written, uh, in the sense that Mill kind of talks about. Uh, well, the whole principle of freedom of speech and, and free speech is designed to protect minority opinions, because yeah. you know, in there's never been a point in human history where. Uh, you can be prosecuted or punished for saying something that people agree with. You know, the, no Egyptian right. ever was executed because they walked out the day, well, the, the door one day and were like, praise be to the Pharaoh. Uh, you know, no one in, in, you know, Nazi Germany or, or the Soviet Union went to prison because they were like, Oh, the sky is blue. This, you know, the grass is green. Uh, people who have majority opinions don't need protection. They have the protection of, well, being in the majority. It's the minority yeah. people, the people who, who are on the fringe who need that protection because, well, they're outnumbered, you know, and, yeah. and how – and an important thing to remember when it comes to censorship and, and all these, these stalking campaigns, uh, people – there's never been like a censor or like a bad guy or a villain in history who thinks that they're a villain. There's no, there's no mustache twirling, you know, like, hee, 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 I'm going to go oppress people today because I feel like it. They always invent some kind of moral justification for doing so. Oh, oh, this person's hateful. Oh, this person's a wrecker. Oh, this person is, you know, a minority. Oh, this person is gay. Oh, this person is, is a neo-Nazi. Uh, there's always a moral justification for it. And the definition, you know, for these – and these moral justifications keep expanding. Like you say – 
you know, it starts out with an incredibly unpopular group of people, uh, you know, the neo-Nazis. And as much as I can't stand those people and uh, hope they fail at everything they do, I don't want to see them deplatformed. I don't want to see anyone deplatformed. I, I want everyone to be able to speak freely and live their lives in peace. I just want to speak freely and live my life in peace. I want to run Terror House. I want to do my thing online. Um, I have no interest in, you know, taking uh, anyone else down. If, if someone like Richard Spencer fails, I'm going to laugh at it. But, like, I don't want him to be kicked off the Internet or anything. You know, he, you know he's, he has the right to freedom of speech as much as anyone else. Um, what they do is they start with a group of people that everyone hates. And then they start gradually expanding it. Uh, the big example I can think of in terms of one single person would be, like, Andrew Anglin of the Daily Stormer, who... Uh, was had his uh, domain name taken away uh, because yeah. he made a, a, a rude joke about Hever Hire. Okay, uh, pretty much he, you 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 would if you put made a list of people who are like hated by large sections of the American and world populace, uh, England would probably be in the top ten or the top one hundred. Um, so they start with him because no one will defend him. Then they move on to like Alex Jones, who is also hated but not as to the same degree. Um, and then they gradually expand it, expand it, expand it until um, you get uh, to, I don't know, apolitical writers who – like one of the complaints they, 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 these people were lodging against this last week is that sites like Expat and Terror House platform abusers, like whatever the yeah. fuck that means. Yeah. Um, there's no logic to it. It's just a, a, a never-ending crusade. Right. Like, I mean – that is the thing is that the, the platforming abusers and the people have said certain things in the past or you were published on this place. So now, you know, you got that, you got to remove your work from that place or just totally trying to cancel all these, all these places for all the different kind of connections and associations. But then it even gets to the point where, you know, I'm talking to you here, like you said, like, you know, nobody comes out and talks to you. Nobody actually asks you any questions or tries to get, you know, what your side of the thing is, or just kind of hear what you have to say. And now me and, even talking to you like this is probably going to rise me up higher in the, you know, the empiricism of hate or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, like, yeah well, you know, I, well, I, well, I do appreciate guys like you and Manny sticking <laughs> by me, uh, you know, and, and, and keeping, you know, to that principle of, you know, free speech and, you know, good art, you know, even if I, I'm not as, you know, vocal and expressing, expressing that, uh, thanks as I should be. Um, but I think you, I think you expressed it quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I always, I always, feel, I always feel like an asshole cause I, I'm kind of an I'm I'm kind of an antisocial person. Like there's like, there's like three people I talk to like, like regularly, like that would be Calvin, uh, Bryden and uh, Matt Lawrence, Terror House's art director. You know, I'm I'm kind of a, you know, uh, antisocial person, so I'm always I'm always kind of feeling like, like a dick because I don't reach out to people as often as I should. Uh, but um, yeah, kind of going going back to like what you said, you know, it's like I, I think it's just that social media I, technology is a big part of it. This is something I've kind of kind of harped on for years. Um, you have an environment now in which people are encouraged to just be snarky and passive passive aggressive. Um, and instead of, you know, hashing out their disagreements, you know, just, just by talking to each other, like no one's saying you got to be friends with someone who, you know, you don't like, no one's saying, no one's saying you have to buddy, buddy up. Uh, but yeah. you can just, if you just talk to people, 
you know, you'll, you'll find that you probably have a lot more in common with them than you should, and you don't really have anything against, you know, against each other. You know, I, um, it's, I mean, there was a, there was an incident last year in which I had a falling out with a, uh, um, someone I considered a friend, uh, because I, 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 you know, I'll admit I was out of line here. I made a joke about him on social media that was, uh, you know, could be construed as a, offensive, but this is someone I'd known for years and, you know, with whom I had a low open line of communication. If he had just emailed me and was like, hey, Matt, why did you say that about me? I would have apologized. I would have been like, look, look, what I did was, was wrong. You know, um, I'm, I'm man enough to admit when I, you know, I've said something, I've said something or done something wrong. Like I, I did with that particular woman. I, I admitted that the joke I fired off at her was, you know, inappropriate, you know, um, but his reaction was not to, to do that. It was to just raise a huge public stink about what a bad person yeah. was. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's behavior that's becoming just kind of universal among, among people, which is uh, particularly with the younger like, generations, which is I, – I, I incre- it might just be because I've lived outside of the U.S. for so long and I'm disconnected from the culture to a certain extent, but I increasingly see like Zoomers uh, – and the way they behave, and I'm like, I, I just, I just don't get it. Like, I hope you kids are having fun, but like, I just don't understand you. It's like talking to a, well, I guess, I guess this means I'm officially old now. So yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, I'm turning, I'm turning, I'm turning 32 next week. So yeah, I'm 33, so I'm ahead of you. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, the whole online social media is seems geared around pointing things out that people are saying and like kind of challenging them on it and then gaining points for doing that you know even with what's happened with us like people trying to cancel us just makes us have more followers it's like I guess we won not won somehow but (laughs) people are just retweeting and posting and quote tweeting and and saying like adding their own kind of snarky little thing on the end of it and uh all of a sudden the horde that sort of follows this person is jumping on it and it's going another direction and just like a a burial at all costs and i guess uh i guess you know you got you. You kind of do that too, though. Like you'll like point out something somebody said. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Out. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like I'm better than anyone because, like, <laughs> like I said, I have a big fucking mouth and I like pissing people off. You know, it's yeah. it's it's funny because Bryden is like one of the person who's been like on this on me about this for like like months. Like to, he's like, dude, you need to stop. Like he put it like this. You know, the lion does not concern themselves with the opinions of gay retards. Um, I. I'm, I'm trying to learn the virtue of just ignoring people, but you know, when it comes to someone who's coming at me, well, like I'm going to, I'm going to come back at you harder, you know, and I'm probably wittier and uh, the people, the people around me are probably funnier than you too. So, um, and, and we've outlasted all of uh, your attempts. That's the thing too with uh, they're like, Oh, we need to contact the platforms that, you know, expat and terror house are on and get them canceled because they're violent TOS or some shit. Um, I can't speak to what, you know, what, what's going on with Manny, but like these people have done absolute fuck all to stop terror house. Um, oh really? The only, yeah, there's like, Oh, report the Twitter, uh, Twitter's still up. Um, we need to, you know, get the books off of, uh, you know, 
uh, Aerial. Uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, the only serious deplatforming attempts that have kind of sort of worked are from, from neo-Nazis, actually. Um, we once got a 12-hour suspension because we made a joke about Richard Spencer's girlfriend's nudes having leaked on the internet. It's, and they also they also got the they also got the web hosting pulled a few months ago because of something else that I was doing that was unrelated to Terror House. Hmm. It seems like you're kind of actually people. It's people classify you as they label you a Nazi. You know that's kind of just where it goes to. Uh, but it's kind of funny because you're actually in a lot of ways like fighting against the neo Nazis. Well, it's like I mean I. Some 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 of it some of it I think is a I mean this sounds a bit dramatic uh, a kind of form of public penance for having you know involved myself in it and kind of dragged people into it you know uh, this is this is kind of kind of my way of uh, you know, apologizing to the greater public um, but I also just want to, I, like like I I I know you know people who got involved like say Charlottesville or you know. Uh, and as I, like I said, a lot of these kids were not like like hardcore, like super racist or like even really that hateful. They were just in it because uh, they thought it was a positive movement uh, and because they kind of like, you know, trolling people. Um, mm -hmm. And then you end up involved in something like that. You get doxxed, you get your, you know, your life ruined, fired from your job. Uh, people end up in prison. Uh, mm -hmm. And their comrades in the neo-Nazi movement don't do it. Don't do fuck all to help them in any way. Um, and I'm just mm -hmm. saying, look. Don't if you if you follow these these clearly inept people who don't know what they're doing and are leading you down a path of uh, of total total isolation, um, it's not going to it's not going to end well for you. Um, you know, the people talk about de-radicalizing like young white men. You know, I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I'm probably way more effective at, at that than anyone who's actually touted themselves as as de-radicalization, because like. I, I just I just tell them the straight up truth. Like these people are fucking nuts, uh, and and like there are there are points where you like there will you know this will kind of kind of poke through. Um, you mentioned like the cuck box thing with the traditionalist worker party. Uh, well, yeah. recently like uh, Matthew Heimbach decided that he was uh, you know leaving the neo Nazi right and was just going to become a straight up communist, and he wrote a this this rather long and self pitying article for some some. Uh, anti-radicalization website where he was he one of the one of the passages where he talked about how um, he had formed like a youth group of like far-right uh, kids when he was in college and uh, they had like a they had like a special yearly event called Reichsgiving where like all the people who couldn't go home, home to their families because they'd alienated them by just by just spouting off about uh, nonsense ridiculous fringe politics and just being unlikable um, oh, we, we, we're the outcasts. We'll, we'll go. We'll have our own Thanksgiving because we've alienated our, our families. Um, and, and we're not talking about like you know, either people with bad parents and stuff. Uh, we're talking like like normal kind of people who's really, you know, who who would just spark snap off of their parents because they they weren't into the same kind of uh, you know they weren't into they weren't enthusiastic about French politics. Like someone who starts autistically talking about the USS Liberty or, or whatever, you know, your, your parents don't want to hear that shit. Um, yeah. Stridently arguing with them is not going to get them on side. And you yeah. know, your family relationships, you know, your, your close IRL friends, not your online friends, though online friends can become like uh, close real life friends. Uh, those are your most important relationships. It's not politics. It's not, you know, 
Uh, it's not anything else. It's the people in your life who have your back. Um, and these, and these uh, neo-Nazi f- people would just go out of their way to alienate those core connections. Um, and I just kept saying, you know, like, don't do that. You know, you're, you're, I mean, if I had taken like the time I'd spent on French politics and like gone to Thailand and, you know, done a bunch of drugs and just had sex with a bunch of hookers, that would have been a more productive use of my time. Hmm. Do you think like people want to kind of like touch this sort of depravity so they can just kind of move past it? Uh, a few do. I, I, I see, uh, I, I guess, but I think a lot of them are just kind of, kind of dumb kids who don't know any better. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you got a bunch of alien, we're at a peak where like a uh, point where like uh, social alienation is at all time highs, uh, do the stuff like the Corona lockdown, the protests, et cetera, yeah. all this, this kind of stuff being just thrown at us in every which way direction. I mean, there's been, you know, embers of it for a long time. You know, you've got the whole incel thing going on. Uh, uh, you've got you've got economic uh, uh, ruin for basically you know young people. You know the economy has again been totally shot out. Um, I mean, I even I've been affected by that. I lost my main freelance writing client because uh, the tourism industry is basically the, the bottom's fallen out of it. Um, uh, so you got a bunch of people who are just kind of you know looking around for guidance, and uh, you go online and you read some some fringe fringe stuff and you get into it because it sounds cool and you're you know you're meeting people who are just as alienated as you and um and then you know that's that's cool you know you you can you can meet some pretty cool people that way you know i mean i i actually met calvin that way we met on a we met on a uh what i can only describe as a phrenology forum years ago we've, we've become close real life friends uh in the years since uh but then there are people who are just like, oh, we need to do some super serious politics things. We need to like, uh, you know, uh, we we need to make a stand now or or some nonsense. Or they or they fall into some kind of cult like structure that is uh, just just utterly deleterious. And I just tell these people, look, don't don't do that. You know, uh, if you've got like a normal job, you've got like family and stuff, you should you should cherish that. You know, you should cherish your you should cherish your 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 life. Um, Flaws and all. Uh, um, if you're going, if you're going to express your alienation, I suggest you do it through writing or music or you know something, something creative. Because you know we've we've seen a lot of good flowering on that. You know, you know there's there, there's ne- negative XP singers like you know Eggy. Um, you've got you know the, the great writers being put out like Terror House. People like Delicious Tacos, Bronze Age Pervert. You know um, mm-hmm. that's that's productive. That's cool. That that will that will do more for the world uh, than than what cultists are telling you to do. Do you ever get writing that kind of falls on that kind of cultist, kind of too far, too fringy? I don't know what you'd call it. Level, do you get a lot of that kind of stuff? Uh, we used to kind of, but uh, not really anymore, just because that's the other reason why uh, you know, I don't feel bad about pushing away this, this uh, fringe, uh, right-wing fringe from me is because they don't buy books. They're not very literate people. Uh, they, they watch YouTube videos, uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, so as a, from a pure capitalistic standpoint, they're not very useful to have around. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind stuff that kind of plays with that. We have a, we have a frequent contributor yeah. named, uh, Proteus, uh, Juvenalis who like, yeah, writes, like writer. yeah, yeah. He writes a lot of, he writes a lot of parody articles, uh, 
based on on right wing culture that are really really good. That guy is that guy is fantastic. Um, and um, one of the genres we run with with Terror House is uh, I, I guess I guess uh, I, I, a weird kind of fanfic genre, which people write like stories based on like the news. Um, yeah, you do. Kind of ver- you guys do a lot of that kind of stuff. Like it. Well, like it's 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 it's. it's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's the kind fanfic of, it's, of the news. Is a fanfic of the it. news, like, you know, fan, you know, parodies of like, you know, popular people in in the internet, like, uh, like, yeah. like Lauren Southern, re, you know, reemerged recently. So that was a perfect opportunity to repost the story Proteus wrote about her, um, and how she had a disgusting threesome with, uh, with uh, those two British gay guys. Uh, that was that, that that kind of stuff is like like uh, you know, I think adhering to the whole outline outsider lit experience because uh i i think with i think with writing and such um there are a lot of people who you know might otherwise be creative but they they go through the school system and they're forced to read uh you know i don't know tony morrison or uh some some other clotted not really good writer that's being pushed through like but the big bugaboo for me was uh herman melville when i was in college i um I went to uh, the University of uh, at Albany, SUNY, and uh, Herman Melville was uh, from from that area. So the English department did a uh, lot of focus on on Herman Melville Mill, um, and not Moby Dick. You know, uh, contrary to to what Calvin said on Eris's podcast, people have read Moby Dick. It's not terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big thing we constantly had to analyze was Bartleby the Scrivener. God, I hate Bartleby Bar- 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 the Scrivener. Why? I, I did. I did over the course of two semesters. I had three separate classes where we were talking about Bartleby the Sh- the Scrivener. What? I'd written like I maybe about five or six essays about it, maybe about twenty thirty pages between them. Um, and this is not like this is the kind of thing that kind of pushes me away from it because it's like uh, you want to debate whether Herman Melville is a, is a great writer or whatnot. He certainly has his place in the canon, but you're going to pick Bartleby the Scrivener. It's yeah. It's just this boring story about a dude who like decides he just doesn't want to do his job one day and he dies. It's 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 just repetitive. It's boring. It's stupid. Uh, I think a lot of people who might otherwise be into writing and you know would uh, be be energized into being creative, uh, they get pushed through the uh, Iowa Writers Workshop or you know MFA type deal. They see all this nonsense. They see what you know mainstream publishers are promoting. Um, when I when I first got started ten years ago, it was there was there was just nothing but like immigrant coming of age stories, and that's that's not necessarily a bad genre. You can make you can do some interesting things with that. Uh, one of my favorite underrated books is uh, the Russian Debutantes Handbook by Gary Steingart. That's a really funny book. Uh, you just have all these these uh, these narcissists talking about oh the immigrant experience and like alienation all the stuff they're not doing anything original on a stylistic level their writing is just boring to read and everyone people see that and they're like okay i don't want anything to do with writing you know i mean it would almost it almost put me off if it weren't for the fact that uh, i have a severe mental illness and i just do this shit for my own amusement yeah i don't know like sorry if this is is you know, ignorant or rude, but I don't know if I've ever really read anything like from you personally. I've read stuff you put out, but I don't think I've read anything you you've really written. Maybe like little posts or something, but 
Uh, do you publish your stuff through Terror House, or like, do you have published books out there? Uh, the last, the last thing I, I, what I've mostly written for Terror House are book reviews. The last like creative thing I wrote was a, a poem back in 2018 called "Fucking Versus Making Love," uh, which is, um, it's pretty good. Looking back on it, it's not as great as I thought it was, but it's pretty good. Um, I'll, I'll send you a link uh, afterwards cool. if you want to check it out. Yeah. Um, totally I haven't done a lot of creative writing recently, again, just because uh, I got into doing freelance writing as a full-time job. And, and there are people who can, like, like uh, freelance write and, you know, do their own creative writing. But I, I guess I just don't have the mental fortitude to do that. You know, like, if I've, I've spent, like, uh, all day writing, like, 3,000 or 4,000 words on Alaskan tourism or chaga or cryptocurrency or whatever, like, I'm just mentally drained and I – I can't. I can't even think about anything creative. You know, I I can't even do something as simple as play a video game after like a like a crunch period. Um, I just I just sit around watching YouTube videos. Um, in terms of like, uh, I, I've got like a huge volume of writing since I, I as I said I've been blogging since uh, 20, 2009. I started out under a pseudonym and then uh, started using my real name in twenty twelve when I just stopped giving a shit. Uh, but. Uh, I don't do that much anymore because like, I'm not interested in politics. I'm not interested in pontificating on the news of the day. Um, you know, there was, there was the genre of like, you know, if you recall the whole red pill, you know, you know, manosphere type stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, I was, I was big into that for a while. You know, I, I did public self publish a few books, uh, self-help books. Um, I wrote one book about like uh, expatriating to the Philippines because I lived there for a time. Um, you know, but in terms of uh, in terms of my personal interests, it's like way, way down. I've actually done way more like expatriation and travel in the past three years, but I'm not interested in like writing. I, I'm not going to write do Hungary or do Albania, uh, yeah. the guide to Albanian women. I, I just don't have the stamina for that kind of thing anymore. And in terms of like like doing it for money, it's the bottom has just kind of fallen out of that whole market. Uh, the whole yeah. the whole red pill self help thing, uh, because it's 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 oversaturated. Uh, the big thing that kind of revolutionized publishing uh, for in uh, in in the past decade was Amazon bringing out the Kindle, uh, because you know it was the first it was the first e reader that was massively adopted. Uh, and if you were an early adopter when the, the Kindle came out and you put your books on Kindle, you would make a lot of sales because people who owned Kindles were just so hungry for content. And the yeah. traditional publishers are very slow in adapting it that you could publish utter shit and sell it on Amazon and you would make uh, a, a fair bit of money. You know, there was there was actually a subculture of, of people like erotic writers who uh, – you know, would publish like a like a short story, erotic short story for like ninety nine cents, and they made like thousands and tens of thousands off of it, like about ten years yeah. ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. I actually I, I actually tried to get into that market. Uh, uh, Did you? That time? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there. Well, I I combined well, as as is befitting for my personality type, I combined getting into the erotic writing market with finding a way to piss people off. Uh, uh -huh. So what I did was uh, this is around 2013, 2014. I created a I created this bogus blog called uh, Virginia's Secret Garden, which uh, was written from the perspective of this happily married Christian housewife living in Iowa who would blog about her sex life on the internet in nauseating detail. Uh, yeah. It was it was to kind of kind of troll people because like you know there was you know 
this this is again an ancient drama, but like with the whole red pill thing, it kind of reached its apex in like uh, 2011, 2012, 2013. There was like a subculture of red pill women, these like blogger female bloggers who were all like, "Oh, I so love being a submissive housewife. Oh, I love yeah. sucking my husband's dick." You know, mm-hmm. no one seemed to think that it was a bit odd that these happily married married housewives were uh, writing blog posts after blog posts, entertaining an audience of strange men. Um, yeah. Basically, it was simping. That's what it was. There was a lot of simps, and I was just annoyed at all the simps. So I just thought to myself, if you can't beat the simps, you should uh, make money off of them. So I started this blog to kind of, you know, troll them with all like these these like uh, you know extreme posts about like you know, I wrote a series on uh, Christian domestic discipline, which is a which is a thing. Um, I wrote articles on uh, the proper usage of butt plugs. I wrote the articles on the proper usage of. Uh, you know, uh, spanking uh, and rape fantasies. Um, it was it was all bullshit, and it was, to be frank, kind of kind of painful to read, uh, write. Uh, but it was kind of an early literary experiment for me because, like, in order to do this, I kind of had to I, I had to assume a voice that was different than my own. You know, I had to I had to think like a woman. I had to like present the writing as like a like a like a woman's writing, and I used that to publish uh, publish a uh, book of erotic short stories that actually sold pretty well. I think in its first week, it sold like about three hundred dollars worth of copies. Um, wow. Yeah, it was it was and and within like a a month of the blog being up, I was getting like two thousand hits a day and stuff. A lot from search traffic and. You know, there were comments and was like, oh, I, I, I love you so much. You know, from these guys who are like, I wish I knew a woman like you and stuff. Um, I actually had this very elaborate plan for it where I was going to like I had sketched this out like it was some kind of like weird like TV drama where I would run the blog for like a year. And then I would sort of develop the character to be like, uh, she, you know, the main character, the, the, the character I was writing as Virginia Robinson would start off as this happily married Christian housewife. But like uh, as, as it progressed onward, you know, uh, the Fishers and, and her marriage would start to, you know, be, be obvious and stuff because uh, it kind of went back to like the contradiction of like, uh, you know, she's talk, talking about like, oh, I love I love strong, dominant men. Well, like if your wife is pushing you to be dominant, are you really dominant? Like, are you really in control? Uh, and then it would eventually end with her divorcing him and like moving to Chicago to like live, laugh, love, and you know, kind of slut it up. Um, that was the plan. What ha- what actually happened was that I got so disgusted with all the emails I was I was getting from simps that I just cut it short like three months in and like posted on my blog like, okay, Virginia's Secret Garden. It was me. It was all a joke. I did it to troll you. I did it to make money. But it's so disgusting. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> How did people react to that? Uh, the people who were simping, they just kind of melted into the, uh, the the ether, probably because they were embarrassed. But a lot of people thought it was hilarious. You know, it was it was yeah. uh, it was a it was a sociology experiment. Um, yeah, that's funny. Well, Matt, I'm uh, I'm about uh, out of time here that I can allot to the to the interview. But I think this has been a uh, it's been good. I've I've enjoyed this. This is fun. You know. It's oh nice yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was great. Yeah, man. Um, you know, have a, have have a good one. You know, maybe we can do it. A, you know, do it again sometime. And of course, you're yeah. welcome to come on Terror House Radio if you want. Oh yeah. Okay. That could be fun. Yeah. It's uh, I've you know I've only just barely started listening to it, but uh, I like the way you guys 
you know, we, we should we should probably have we should probably have more guests, you know, instead of it's just me bribing and talking about whatever, you know, we should have some actual writers on the show. Yeah, how, do you not have a lot of guests on there? Uh, we did in the beginning. Uh, we usually um, have about like one or two guests a month, uh, but uh, uh, it's just kind of a. My frustration was just like booking people because of the the time slots. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, when I started out, I was in Georgia, and that's like nine hours ahead of Eastern time, so it was like very specific yeah. window where we could do the podcast. So a lot of people couldn't come on. Uh, yeah, hopefully, totally. that can you know be be adjusted now, but. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what, one o'clock now where you are or something? It's about two AM, yeah. hmm Well yeah, I mean I'd I'd be interested in, you know, talking with you further. I don't you know, I I kind of been nervous about this interview just because I've got I don't know, my own preconceived notions or personal guilt or just trying to figure things out and all that and you know i didn't didn't know how to approach this because i feel like you're just kind of at the center of so much of this kind of like people are just very willing to pin the whole all their ire onto you you know and it's it's once after about you know a little ways in there i didn't really have any kind of agenda but as soon as i kind of feel like i started kind of loosening my shoulders a little bit things just kind of started getting a little natural and we were just able to talk and i mean you're a cool yeah, guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. Well, you, well, you did what you know. You know, I, I, I kind of would wish, wish more people doing that. You talk to me, you know, and you know, yeah. we, we, uh, you know, it, it starts out a bit nervous, you know, but you know, as you said, you know, said near the end, you know, we, we got a lot in common. You know, we get along. You know, we've, yep. we've got like uh, similar and conflicting views views on things. You know, it's it. You know, I, yep. I just, I just want to get along with people. You know, it's it's yeah. I, I just want to run a you know good good uh, good site and, and help writers and I want to you know promote my friends and get 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 interesting stuff out there. Like that's that's basically my driving focus in life now. You know, I just want to read good shit. I started Terror House because I just want to read good shit. It's it's the kind of literary work that I happen to enjoy, um, and I want to help writers you know get sales and attention. You know, uh, that's that's mm-hmm. that, that, that there, there's no secret agenda. There's no decoder thing, you know, you can use to prove that I've got some sinister, sinister plot. You know, like this is I, I'm laying it out here. I'm doing this because I love it, you know, and I'm, I'm and I'm happy that so many people um, have embraced it. You know, it really, you know, it, it gives me all the warm fuzzies inside. Do you don't do you like do you follow like believe are you like into any of the kind of like scary conspiracies that everybody's afraid of, like the, you know, are you like, I, I'm just going to ask like directly, like, are you, you're not like a white nationalist, anti-Semite, any of that kind of stuff that people just are very willing to pin on you? No, no. I, I, I've, you know, if you wanted to pin me down politically, I'm, I'm just kind of a, kind of a you know, right wing guy with like, deep sympathies to uh to marxism if that makes any sense you know because i i you know i i was like a big occupy wall street back a uh, guy back in the day you know i've but my 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 overriding obsessions throughout my life is like i don't like i don't i don't like established power i don't like the government i don't like corporations and i've just you know remained consistent on that um it's it's just it's just that the shins uh, the you know and of course, there's the there's the frisson of pissing people off. You know, that's 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 my own motivating thing. But like right now, um, I guess I 
my my overriding political, you know, view is just I support whatever makes me money, basically, in terms of practicality. <laughs> a lot of it is just a lot yeah. of it's just cold indifference and like jokes and stuff. You know, I yeah. I the whole the whole getting all super serious about saving the world, uh, whatever flavor that's really like a young young person's thing. You know, it's like what you yeah. do when you're in your twenties. Um, but you know, I'm in my thirties now. My thinking has shifted to like, okay, what's going to be what's going to secure my financial future? You know, the the the, the wife, kids, etc. You know, like how can I take care of myself and the people I love? You know, you, you don't have the time to be you. You have all the time in the world to be like idealistic and extreme when you're young but like when you're older you know and you've got like bills to pay and responsibilities like that's not really something you can afford so like my 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 thinking is just like whatever makes me money and uh you know and i'm i'm happy to and and, and, you know if we if we and you know and the the corporate tyranny uh you know I'm, i'm perfectly happy to sign up with whoever wants to do that you know obviously neo nazis don't want to do it but uh you know i I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just an anti-establishment guy, a, a fucking guy who just hates what you know, hates it when the the media and shit tell me what to think and and what to yeah. what to do and you know and uh, um, when I was a kid you know you know it was it was you know the, the thing the people I hated were like neocons and uh, you know the religious right because of uh, you know all the, the moralistic stuff the Dixie Chicks you know covering up the the the, the statue uh, of justice with the tits you know like that all pissed me off you know and now it, what pisses me off is like all this this like identity politics moralizing uh, that's just outright hysterical you know I I I just I just want to be left alone to make money and you know help my friends and hang out with them and write shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you. And I think like, I, I gotta admit every time I read a story from terror house, I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm happy in some way, you know, whether it's by being shocked, whether it's from laughing, whether it's kind of the irony, you know, tickling me a little bit or uh, just sort of the, I don't know, it's, it's, it's unique. And uh, I, I've never really read a story on your site, though, albeit I haven't read, you know, a majority of them that I haven't liked. So I think you're doing, I think you're publishing some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and the other thing too, is like, you know, uh, you know, it used to be like people considered action to be more important than words. Uh, but you know, people want to, again, you can think about me, whatever you want. You know, you, you know, I've, I've, you know, conceded to the fact that, you know, the things that, you know, again, the past is an anchor. You know, it's it's something that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life, and I'm not going to complain about it because these are the choices I made. But you look at what we published at Terror House. You know, we published all kinds of writers. We published, you know, you know, queer writers. We published writers who are right wing politically, left wing politically. Uh, we published, you know, you know, white, non-white, uh, you know, whoever. You know, basically, my criterion on is is your is your writing good? Is it entertaining? Like that's all I care about. Like, 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 you know, I I'm loyal to the idea of quality, and because that's pre- the 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 cessation of that uh, concept of quality is, is part of what's you know driving mainstream art and writing and stuff into the ground where it's no longer about like is this good is it entertaining uh, is it informative it's about like it's about whoever it's it's about the identity of the person saying it you know it's like that it's like that uh, 
incident in Australia, like uh, it was like 20 years ago, I think, where uh, like a white guy was trying to get his novel published, but he just kept getting rejected. So he started writing under like an Aboriginal pen name, and all of a sudden he was getting acceptances everywhere. Like they weren't judging him on the quality of his work, but when but when he you know changed his identity, uh, all of a sudden they were interested. Like that's 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 what I don't like. Um, I think that if you're a good writer, like you deserve to have your voice heard, and it doesn't matter who you are. Um, I don't think the identity should be important. Um, if it, you know, if it, you know, infuse it into your writing and it's entertaining, like that's great. You know, I, you know, um, I, I do enjoy reading like, like transgressive LGBT stuff and whatnot. You know, like if it entertains me, that's cool. But uh, I don't want to, I think that's, yeah, that, that's my perspective. And of course, you know, like, you know, I reserve the right to just kind of make uh, off color jokes. You know, some of them won't land, some of them will be offensive, but I just like making jokes. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I'll uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, talking with me. Yeah, same. Uh, same. Thanks for having me on, Bibles. Uh, I hope you have a, have a good night and, uh, and good luck with the podcast. I've really been liking it so far. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've appreciated your support and the retweets and, uh, you know, everything that's come of it. Uh, and, uh, th- you know, hopefully I can, uh, keep on making stuff you want to listen to. Definitely, man. Well, um, I guess that's it. So, you know, have a, have a good <laughs> night or afternoon or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm about, yeah. Going into the evening. So you have a, have a good twilight or have a good midnight, whatever you are, whatever you call that time you're in. Yeah. Yeah. See you, dude. Middle of the night. Okay. See you, Matt. Bye. Yep.